The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts hello friends i'm back and if you're listening, well, so are you. And it's a good thing that we're both here today because guess what? I have an extra special episode of Off the Beat. Oh, yeah. And it's your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, if you follow at Off the Beat on Instagram, like I have very politely asked you to many, many times, or even if you follow me, you might already know what's going on here on social media. I asked all of you, my wonderful listeners, to send in your questions for a little mailbag episode of Off the Beat. That's right. Ask me almost anything episode. Boy, you guys delivered. I got so many great questions. There is sadly no way that I could answer all of them. Uh, I do wish that I could. Truly, I'd love to get to all of them. For example, what a day 450 asked how are babies made now this is an important question it's very important for you all to know i'd love to be the one to teach you however that would make this a very very different podcast so i encourage you to ask your parents uh some of your other questions i just truly cannot answer as in it's sid asked how to stay sane Sid, listen, we're in the midst of a 100-day actor strike that was preceded by a 974-day writer strike. I wish that I could stay sane. 
I wouldn't have chosen to be an actor. I don't know what I would have chosen to do, but, but truly, if you figure that one out, how to stay sane, well, you have an open invitation to come on this podcast and tell each and every one of us. Luckily, many of you ask questions that I actually can't answer. So I'm excited to do just that. Let's start off with one from ZFDALW08. The question is, hello, Brian? Well, yes. Hello, indeed. One down. I am on a roll. Bubble and squeak. I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. A lot of you, when submitting questions, ask me some very thoughtful questions about me, about my career and my journey, like Amanda Bashuk, who asked, first or worst job you ever had? Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a good one. Maybe I'm going to start asking this in my interviews of other people. First job ever, I was a host at a restaurant. I wasn't smart enough to be a server, I don't think. And uh, I wasn't qualified enough to be a bartender. I was a host at a restaurant, the Black Forest Inn, a German restaurant that I believe to this day still exists in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I had a good time at the Black Forest Inn. I would say my worst job, I have referenced this before, was an office job. I was a paralegal at a law firm. I think that there are high-level paralegals that really deal with important things for lawyers. What I remember doing was counting pages. This is not a joke. I would count pages. So they worked on huge corporate cases, and there would be documents that would be in, into evidence. And when you submit these documents into evidence, you have to make sure that the entire document is there. So they were numbered. And I had to ensure that every page actually was there before they were, they were sent to the, I don't know, the court or whatever. So yes, that I would say that was my worst job was counting pages as a low level paralegal in, in a law firm. Uh, this move asks, do you have any regret concerning your choice of career? Like, have you ever dreamed about a football career or something else? Well, listen. If I could have had a football career, well, I don't know if I would have done that. I'm, I think I'm too soft for that. What I, what I wanted to be was the first baseman for the Atlanta Braves. That's what, I, that's what I wanted to do. That was my dream when I was a kid. Some kids dream of being, you know, firemen and women or I don't know. I wanted to be the first baseman for the Atlanta Braves. It was a very, very specific uh, dream of mine. I think I needed to expand it. Maybe just professional baseball player. Maybe that would have been a little more uh, attainable, but not really. Um, no, I don't have any regrets. I feel incredibly lucky to be doing what I'm doing now and to have worked with the people on the projects that I have had the opportunity to work on thus far. And I, I hope for, for many, many more. I have 
no, I have no regrets. I'm glad. In fact, I can say today in 2023, I'm glad that I was not the first baseman for the Atlanta Braves. Thomas Linden 03 asks a very insightful question. Does your fame hold your life back? Thomas, I saw your question come across. We have a great team here at Off the Beat that actually selected these questions. And I knew this would be one that they were going to select. It's a a difficult question because do I feel like it, it holds my life back? No, it just makes my life different. Eric McCormick, the great actor who has become my friend, Eric McCormick, I believe this was his quote, asked, what was the downside for having Will and Grace end? And his answer was, it's going to be harder for me to get reservations at restaurants. Now, I don't think that's true for him now. In fact, having worked on a project with him and having had him arrange some uh, reservations, I think he still doesn't have trouble getting reservations. So there are some certain perks on the outside There are also certain downsides, which I think is true for everybody, regardless of their line of work. I never want to complain about certain things that are are not so fun about my chosen line of profession or or fame or, or whatever you call it. But most of the time, I have to tell all of you, it's about the, the approach and the timing. I mean, if I'm out to dinner with my family and we're sitting down, and someone comes up and interrupts that meal and wants to take a picture, I mean, this is obviously not fun. This is not a positive thing. (laughs) This would not be a positive thing, I don't think, for anybody. But most of the rest of the time, I feel like it's I signed up for it. It's a part of my chosen work and whatever, the celebrity or fame that came along with it. And I choose to try to make every interaction that I have with so many of you and others positive. I live by this, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I honestly believe it's just as easy to be nice as it is to be an asshole. So why not be nice and try and attempt to spread some love? And ultimately, it's it's people who are very kind and appreciative of of the projects that I've been a part of, uh, whether it be this podcast or a television show. And so I'm grateful, uh, by and large, for the interactions. And look, I have said this, the greatest gift that I believe I was given from the office is the human connection that I have been able to have with people who feel the need to tell me what that show has meant to them. And I do consider that a gift and honestly am often overcome with emotion when those of you do come up and talk to me and tell me about your experiences with the show and how it maybe helped you through a bad time or relationship or medical issue, or if you were a service member serving overseas and and the show helped. This is a gift that you all give to me. So uh, thank you. By and large, most of the time for coming up and saying hi and having such kind words. Thank you. Maxi Byrne asks, was there ever a role that you considered turning down after auditioning or offered a role? And if so, why did you turn it down? 
Now, I don't know that I've talked about this specifically. There was a period of time after The Office where I had the opportunity to play a lot of roles that were Kevin Malone adjacent. Very similar in terms of uh, in terms of the type of role. And I decided that I did not want to do that. Now, let me be honest, without naming anything specifically in this regard, most of them were not written by Greg Daniels and Mike Schur and Mindy Kaling and BJ Novak and Paul Lieberstein and all of the great writers that we had. So they, they were never quite the same, which was part of it. But two, yeah, I did. I wanted to distance myself. Um, I found myself saying, saying yes almost instantly to a drama regardless of uh, of what I thought of it, just wanting to play a different type of character. Uh, and I found myself saying no to a lot of roles that were like Kevin Malone. To answer your question slightly more specifically, I didn't turn this role down, but when I was offered the role of uh, Skip Wick in Electric Jesus, the movie I shot, I don't know, three or four years ago, I was concerned about it because the movie was called Electric Jesus, and I have my own relationship with spirituality and religion, and I wasn't quite sure, I wasn't quite sure if this was a movie that I wanted to do. I knew the role after reading the script was incredibly interesting to me and something I definitely wanted to play. But I felt like I needed to be sure about the movie and the message that the director, who also was the writer, uh, the message of the movie from him and, and how he saw that character within it. So that was that was something that was um, that was very important to me. And we had a long conversation, Chris White and I, about what he saw, his feelings about religion, his experience with with organized religion and spirituality and what he felt like the message was of this movie or what was his reason for making it. And you know, we talked, I don't know, we talked for a couple of hours. And uh, after my conversation with him, I was very, very sure that I did want to do the movie. So that doesn't, <laughs> it wasn't something that I turned down, which was your question. But, but you know, that was really important to me on that film asking those questions and making sure that it was something that that I wanted to do. Tupac's white son, oh boy, asks if you could be a superhero in a movie, yeah, who would you be? I like the bad guys. Is that wrong? I feel like the bad guys in the movies are way 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 more complex and interesting at least to play. I don't know. Superman, he has the most power. I do get asked periodically, like, what would be the superpower that I would most want? Teleporting. The idea that I could teleport from place to place, that would be, that would be an amazing thing. But that has nothing to do with acting as a superhero in a movie. Look, I'm not Superman-y. Let's be clear. He has the most power, I think. Batman's pretty complex, I would say. But, you know, really for me, I would rather be Lex Luthor or, I don't know, the Joker, or the Penguin, than one of the superheroes. I don't know. Call me crazy. I think they're, they're more interesting. I, as a kid, you know, when 
we used to not watch screens all the time and we played imagination land i was always the bad guy because i thought they they were more interesting andre diaz americo asks which president do you see yourself portraying in a biopic and why is he lbj because you said so my friend because you said so um we're gonna go to a little fast round here some quick answers hopefully to some questions at least that's what my producers tell me this is a rapid fire round of mailbag the crazy dude 44 says what's your favorite scary movie exorcist the original that's the movie that scared me the most my favorite is uh the shining by far easily top 10 movie for me all times dd1129 asks favorite girl scout cookie thin mint Didi, I'm a traditionalist. I also like those Samoas. You know, they try to do the new ones. Doesn't work for me. Just give me some thin mints. And if they were in the fridge, even better. Tony Santo Spiritu asks, what's your favorite adult beverage? It's whiskey, my friend. And if it's black market rye, it's even better. I'll take whiskey over just about anything else. I also, let's be honest, I do like the red wine as bigger and bolder as possible. Like nice Cab Franc or Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice Brunello from Italy. I should be drinking wine, right? Why am I not drinking doing this? I'm answering the questions. I should also be drinking. No, it's the middle of the day and I'm being safe and responsible. M Y Souf top five favorite songs. Oh boy. Actually top five favorite songs, your last meal on earth. And if you could have a fast food chain restaurant built into your home, what would it be? That one's easy in and out. If I could have an in and out at the house, that would be, but then people, there would be a line down my driveway. That wouldn't be great. But I think what the point is, what would I want? And it, it would definitely be that. Uh, I'm going backwards. Last meal on earth. Well, now I'm thinking about Cabernet Sauvignon. I would say a nice big Napa cab with a beautiful steak, some very small cut up fingerling potatoes and broccoli on the side. That would be my last meal on earth. And you can't, Talk to me about whether or not it's healthy or not, because guess what? It's my last meal on earth, so I can have what I want to, and then finish it off with an, with an in and out, and then it would definitely be my last, my last meal on earth. Top five favorite songs. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm an enigma wrapped in a variety pack. I like a lot of different types of music. I like to say, oh, I always say, but this is not what I always, I, I stole this from someone. But now I say it uh, very regularly. By the way, I did not win on Jeopardy. In case you missed it, I was on Jeopardy. I didn't win on Jeopardy. And here, my friends, is the reason why. A great person once said to me that I don't remember who it was, said that your brain has the capabilities of remembering one of three categories. You can't do more than that. One are sports facts, teams, statistics, just sports information. That's the one that I have. 
The second is songs, song lyrics, song titles, albums, artists. I love music, but I'm not good at that. It could be a really recognizable song that I could be singing along to and someone would be like, who sang? And I don't even, I can't even pull it. And then the third is useless trivia. See, that's why I didn't win at Jeopardy. I don't have the useless trivia. And by the way, over three rounds, no sports categories. Absolutely none. I think it was rigged against me. Don't tell anyone I said that, but I think it must have been because they all knew I liked it. Anyone who says that Jeopardy, by the way, that there's a way to cheat, there's no way to cheat. You know, I was once the captain of Family Feud and we won and it was me and Oscar at the end and we we won the big money. Much less serious over at Family Feud, by the way. Jeopardy. They're very serious over there on Jeopardy. They don't mess around. They'll take you to court if they think that you were messing around. They told us. Anyway, what was it? <laughs> Top five favorite songs. So this is tough for me because I like a lot of different things. No particular order. As you may know, Willie Nelson is the person I've seen in concert the most and I would say is my number one favorite person i'm gonna give two for him but it just counts as one always on my mind and of course georgia uh that's song one which is the two and one bob dylan like a rolling stone i mean i think for me the songs that pop into my head are the ones where if it comes on i'm gonna try my best to sing it because it just it transports me and it makes me feel differently uh so like a rolling stone is on there purple rain Prince, that's got to be on there. Greatest concert I ever saw, by the way. Prince. All due respect to Taylor Swift. Prince, you can't, you can't beat it. Um, don't Stop Believing. But I think that one for me is about The Sopranos. I'll be honest, which everyone knows is, is my favorite television show I was never on. Uh, don't Stop Believing because it, it obviously ends The Sopranos. I got to put that on my list. Bohemian Rhapsody, Queen, the craziest, most courageous, bold, insane song ever. Uh, one, two, three, four. I think that was five, but I can't leave off Lennon's Imagine because it makes me cry, always. So there you go. There's my top six or seven favorite songs of all time. Chris Lee Photography, second favorite food to cook after chili. Well, this is easy because it really probably is my first favorite thing to cook. I am fortunate enough weather-wise that I live in Southern California, so grilling season goes all year long. And if I'm home, I would say that I'm at the grill four nights a week. Yeah. Four-ish nights a week, depending. That's on average. I love to grill. And it doesn't matter what it is. Vegetables, meat, uh, beef, chicken, sausages. I love to grill. And <laughs> it's not really intended to be a plug. I do have a grilling cookbook. I mean, what are these? these I'm just a master at transitions today. A grilling cookbook. Seriously good barbecue cookbook that's coming out this spring just in time for next grilling season check it out i'm compiling recipes right now i hope you saw if you have a great barbecue recipe 
get it to me. It's the deadline is is rapidly approaching or past, but try it out. Uh, you can find, I'm sure, the link on my Instagram to get your recipe if it's not too late into the book. But yeah, I love to grill. And I will say this also, because I haven't talked about this, during COVID, there was a big movement for baking. And I was never a baker, and I still am not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I started doing the pizza thing and making my own dough, experimenting with that, with doing it, letting it sit multiple days. So I really, I really did enjoy the therapeutic nature of that. I mean, it, it takes a long time. You got to plan ahead. And usually I, I am not great at planning ahead. But uh, if you haven't gotten into the, the dough making for pizza craze, I know my, my old coworker, Jenna Fisher, she's on the baking train there. I was doing the pizza dough. I, I really do enjoy that as well. And that ends our rapid fire, our rapid fire questions. I didn't rapid fire it very well at all. Sorry, producers, don't fire me, but let's take a break. I'll catch my breath and uh, we'll be back after this. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here we are. We're back, and we've come to another very popular category of questions. Yes, chili. I get a chili comment or a question regardless of what I post. So if I post asking for any questions, well, I'm no doubt going to get some chili questions because your minds, they go straight to beans. Ahmed73524 says, who has made the best chili you have ever tasted besides yourself? Well, I've told this story before, but I don't think on here. I'm here in my office and I actually have the seriously good chili cookbook written by yours truly, 177 of the best recipes in the world. Page 86 in this Bible of chili recipes. I was at the World Championship Chili Cook-Off, where I just was last month, by the way. But this is back a couple of years ago, one of the inspirations for this book. I was there. I was asked to judge. I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and there was a smoked white chicken chili that Mr. Chuck Edwards made that was transformative because i thought of chili as why do you need a bunch of recipes it's either mild medium or hot and his chili opened up for me what chili could be it's a a white bean chicken chili but it was just delicious and so when i decided and i had the international chili society who puts on the World Championship Chili Cook-Off, when they agreed to let me use or include some world champion recipes, I said, I ain't doing it unless this guy, Chuck Edwards, allows me to put his chili in here because I need it in here. So I make a lot of them. But I was asked for the best. And that that for me, will I will never forget that chili. And I, I will also never stop making it. So there you go. Stars... For CSSY, who actually made the chili? Now, I assume you're referring to the chili that was featured in uh, the office episode Casual Friday that I spilled all over the floor, or rather Kevin spilled all over the floor. That was the prop department. And let me be honest, it was not homemade. It was, it was, it was not homemade. It was chili, but it was not hot. And it would not have been a chili that I I would have wanted to eat. Let me just put it that way. But uh, they made so much of it. And we had so much more. And because, as I'm sure you all know, we we did it in one take. or <laughs> There was a lot left over. So I'm sure a lot of people got to enjoy chili, the stuff that didn't end up on the floor, uh, for days or weeks to come. I did not. Now, I also had a ton of requests here for my chili recipe. As you know, Kevin's is to undercook the onions. Actually, mine is to undercook the onions as well. Um, Well, my secret recipe is not secret. It's here in my seriously good chili cookbook. I'm going to drop a link to the recipe in the notes for this episode of Off the Beat so you all can give it a try and then you're going to love it so much you're going to need Chuck Edwards and everyone else's uh, in the book. So uh, I will include my recipe. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just saying 
it's the best you've ever had. It's not a brag. It's if it's true, it's true. Now, there's some other secrets that I've I've never told anyone before. This is some top secret stuff. Okay. I'm finally going to get to reveal this for you today. It's a two-part question. Here we go. Brandon Seal New asked, How does one attain so much handsomeness? And life is shit. <laughs> Added, how do you not age? Like, don't be shy, drop the skincare. Let me just say this. It's just oh natural, baby. Combined with a lot, a lot of plastic surgery. So there you go. Those are my tips for how to stay handsome and my skincare routine. Get surgery often. No, don't do that. Actually, maybe I should write it in a book. There's a new book idea for you. Well, now that I've covered my first two passions, acting and, of course, skincare, there are plenty of questions submitted about one of my other passions, sports. Raw B number seven, how long have you been playing golf? What do you normally shoot? And what's your favorite club in the bag? Uh, I didn't start playing golf as a kid. Raw B number uh, seven. And actually, my raw number is about seven. My handicap is, uh, it fluctuates between a six something and a 47. No, uh, that's my handicap I'm referring to when I say my number. You know, I want my first number to be a seven, meaning in the 70s. It's usually not. For a while, it felt like no matter what I did, it was an 81. Uh, I haven't been playing so well recently. We'll see. I love the game, as you all know. My favorite club in the bag. 60 degree wedge. Yeah. I hit it from almost anywhere around the greens. And I would say if I had a best shot, it would be a hundred yards and in most of the time that 60 degree wedge is in my hand. Funk 24 asks, what are you using on a par three, 205 yard center pin? If you say no, there's no wind and there's no, uh, uphill downhill elevation change i'd be using my hybrid 24 hybrid i think that's right that's what i would use and i wouldn't step on it as they say if i got the wind at my back at all and i can play it to the front easily then i'll hit a six iron but i appreciate your specificity phil in mn phil in minnesota says resolve this issue we see you show up for Rodgers cheering for the Jets. So where is your long-standing loyalty to Title Town USA? Well, as many of you know, guest of the program here and good friend of us on Off the Beat is Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I was there at the Jets' first game against the Bills. I have talked about it on Dan Patrick's program and maybe a little bit here, is the most exciting open for a sporting event that I've ever seen in my entire life, bar none. 12 years since the playoffs, 22 years since 9-11, on 9-11, 55 years, I believe that my math is right, since their last Super Bowl victory, that one and only Super Bowl victory. The anticipation was incredible. And I feel very lucky that I was there and, of course, was completely heartbroken at what transpired in that game. But, of course, 
I still love the Packers. And Burn Burner asks, what Packers game are you going to this year? I was just there. I was just there in Las Vegas for the Packers Raiders game before their bye week. I really was uh, disappointed uh, at the end of that game. It was a great game. And by the way, the Raiders, hats off to the Raiders. That stadium there is incredible. If you ever have an opportunity to go see a game there at Allegiant Field, do it because it's fun. It's fun. It's beautiful. It's Vegas. But the Raiders fans are loud. The visiting fans, obviously Packers, they're loud. It, it was a really fun game. I was uh, very, very disappointed the Packers couldn't win. But my love is still there. I still bleed the green and gold. Now I just have just got some green and black in there as well. Uh, we'll see what happens. The Jets, by the way, they're looking good. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very exciting last back half of the season. B. Geitman asks, when are you coming to Lambeau for a game? I'd love to see you there. Look, I had a lot of questions about when I'm coming to Green Bay this year. As I just said, I was able to see my beloved green and gold in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure when I will be out. I hope to make it out there. You know, I always love to go to Lambeau when it's cold. (laughs) Most people are the opposite. And I don't like cold weather. But man, there's just nothing like it. The frozen tundra, and you really can see and feel that home field advantage. I love that. So I'm hoping to get out once the weather turns and see a game this year. But I'm very glad I got to see a game already. Stash Mountain asks, how do you feel about the conference realignment and expanded playoff in college football? Well, first off, about the extended playoff. It's about time. There are some people that think that it's going to destroy the regular season because every game won't be as important. I don't think that's true because I think there will be enough incentive to be ranked higher, even if you believe you're going to get into the playoff, that you're still going to be playing the games hard. The game this last weekend, Penn State and Ohio State, I know had huge college football playoff implications and people talked about how that game wouldn't be as important but look i think that the higher you end up the better it's going to be for you and i think it's going to give some more teams some different teams and i say this as a fan of the university of georgia more teams an opportunity to just be in it and i think that's good do i think it's going to alter tremendously who ends up winning the national championship no but hopefully we'll have a surprise here and there and some more people involved. So I'm excited about that conference realignment. I don't know what's it's all crazy town to me. I mean, that the PAC 12 is no longer exists that you've got 16, 18, 20 teams in these uh, mega conferences. You know, I am, I would say a traditionalist in a way. I mean, look, things like the playoff things that make sense. I'm in favor of, But I do think, whereas the expanded playoff is going to give more teams an opportunity, I think that the conference realignment and expanding these conferences, I think there's going to end up being another tier in college football, and there's ultimately going to be fewer schools that have a chance. And I think that's unfortunate. I do. Uh, I'm hoping that it will, that there'll be something left there for the bowl games. I don't know. In a lesser 
tier conference or, or new league that, that will be born. So it'll be more than just division one. Maybe there'll be a division one, a and one B. I don't know, but I, I think that these mega conferences are not good. Certainly not good for the fans and not good for the schools that aren't in them. So we'll see. D hoppy 26 says, will you tell the Clemson FaceTime story? I don't know the Clemson FaceTime story. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what story we're referring to. I'm so sorry, but I will tell you, I was asked when Joshua Brooks, the athletic director of the university of Georgia was named the athletic director. Someone in the department asked me to send a video, a cameo, I believe to Joshua congratulating him. I guess he was a big fan of the office and I had lost touch with the athletic department at the university of Georgia for a long time. I've been gone from Georgia for a long time, man. He brought me back into the fray in a big way. He's been so kind reaching out to me and inviting me to games and inviting me to sit with him and uh, was with him the sec championship game last year. And actually we'll see him this weekend in Jacksonville. So I don't know about Clemson, but uh, I'm very glad that I got re reintroduced and realigned with the University of Georgia athletic program. That's for sure. Ray Mitten asks, are you still in a fantasy football league with other cast members from the office? How is your team doing? Who is in first place now? And who drafted Joe Burrow? Well, look, I am still in the office fantasy football league. I believe this is year 18 or 19 of the league. I am pulling up my stats as we speak. This is real time here on Off the Beat. Uh, I'm not doing great. Let me be honest about that. I've had some injuries. It's been a little ugly. I will be clear. Lee Kirk, a director on the office. You you had to have worked on the office in order to be in the office fantasy football league. Also, incidentally, husband to Jenna Fisher is in first place. Only one loss. I am down. I will report Mr. Krasinski having an uncharacteristic positive year is in third. So Krasinski making a run rain there in sixth place. I'm in 10th, 10th out of 12. <sighs> My point total is high, but I'm down. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. To be honest, I don't know who has Joe Burrow. I did not draft Joe, even though I love him. I think he's an absolute top quarterback. I thought the calf was going to be a problem for him. But I'm in 10th place in the office fantasy football league. So what do I know? Speaking of the office, well, of course, everybody's got questions about the office, especially with a little blurb from one publication that was listed online in the last few weeks. Stick around and come back. I will answer your office questions and more. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo! 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, here we go. Let's finish it off with some office questions, shall we? Mr. Fantasy Guy 247 asked, okay, did you really make all those shots in a row in the basketball episode, or was it a double? Was it a double? Who looks like me? Nobody. If that was you, you got some game. Well, thank you, Mr. Fantasy Guy 247. You're damn right I do. You're damn right I can shoot the J. Uh, no, it was me. And it was unedited. And it was 13 in a row. Check the DVD extended. They had to cut baskets that I made because they only had 22 minutes of airtime on NBC at the time. And, uh, and yeah, they didn't have time to show them all. But thank you so much. 15 feet free throw line around the arc, 13 in a row. How many people have, have done that on network TV? I don't even think Steph has done that. He's probably dunked a few, but uh, 13 in a row for yours truly. Gladyso asks, what is the one thing you and Kevin Malone have in common? Well, our basketball skills, obviously. Uh, I think in the beginning, Kevin and I were pretty far apart, but uh, that was the good thing about our writers. 
they wanted to try to bring some of who we are as people into the characters that we were playing. So, you know, I had a, an affinity for poker and maybe some gambling. Well, that suddenly showed up for Kevin as well. I will say this. I know I've said it before. I'm not a drummer. So let me be clear. Kevin is a way, way better drummer than Brian ever was. I got some help, but I also had some tutoring as uh, we got into later seasons. I was playing it, but it was a struggle. That's for sure. Tiny Dunder Mifflin asks, hi. Hi. Did you come up with Kevin's voice or was that the writer's idea? Tiny Dunder Mifflin, I, it's hard for me to answer this question because it was, I, I guess it was a combination of what the writers were writing for. I, I think that through our co-creation of Kevin Malone as a character, the writers began to lean much more into his, let's just call it childlike sensibility in terms of his sense of humor and attitude and behavior. I think he was originally intended to be more of a wallflower. I think that's what you call it. More of a Toby, I think. I think he was intended originally to be more, uh, you know, the original character description was the only thing remarkable about Kevin is he is remarkably unremarkable. And I think there was plenty in the end remarkable about Kevin. I don't know if there was about Toby. so. The writers fell in love with with his his childlike sensibility and and way of speaking and and I certainly leaned into that as well. Andrew Smoky Pickles fifty two said, "If you had to recast someone as Kevin Malone other than you and Ashton Kutcher, who would it be?" Well, I guess I would tell you the truth or the last three people who had the opportunity to play Kevin Malone. Allison Jones gave me a piece of paper at one point in time. Obviously, Ben Silverman, Greg Daniels, Ken Quapas, director, had a short list that I was chosen. And, and the other two names, Jorge Garcia of Lost Fame and others, and uh, Eric Stone Street, Emmy-winning actor from Modern Family. So look, if those were the other two guys on Greg and Ken and Ben's and Allison's list, well, they'll be on mine as well. Give it to Jorge or to Eric. Well, as long as we're in the fantasy casting question section, it seems like a lot of you guys are really, really interested in Kevin's love life. Emily wore 3N. If you could invite any actress to play Kevin's love interest in an office reboot, who would it be, and how do you see the storyline unfolding? Wow. Great question. Well, you know who I hope would do it? Hillary Swank. That's who I hope would do it. I think that would be good for all of us. That's all I'll say about that. Marsh 14 says, if Kevin ended up dating anyone on the show, who would it have been and why? You know, I addressed this a little bit in my the previous iteration of the podcast, not only did I want, I actually pitched the writers to have Aaron and Kevin end up together because I thought that was a genius combination of characters. I described Ellie Kemper's portrayal of Aaron as like a little hummingbird that just never stopped moving, total energy and positivity and light 
and Kevin was like a rooted tree with a little bit of a childlike sensibility. So, and she had a childlike sensibility. So I thought the two of them together was perfect. Ellie agreed on my podcast, just for the record. Uh, she agreed. The writers didn't like, they had, they sort of had the thing with Andy kind of worked out there and, and they wanted to explore the situation with her parents. I understood all of that. It's just, that's what I wanted. And I, you asked the question, so I answered it. <sighs> I don't know why I got defensive about that. One more Kevin-related item I want to settle once and for all before we move on. Haint Blue Creative. Please define the numeric value of a Kalevin. This is what is perfect about a Kalevin. It is exactly what you want it to be. Let's move on. A few questions about the show, the office in general. Jar Blue 12. What did you look forward to the most when filming the office episodes? Filming special episodes like holiday ones or something else that you enjoyed? You know, I wasn't as a big a fan of the Halloween episodes as a lot of people. They were traditionally difficult <laughs> in terms of hair and makeup and costume. I think the longest costume that I was in was Michael Moore costume, which I was very itchy. The facial hair, very, very itchy and uncomfortable. The Christmas episodes I loved. They were a ton of work. They were longer, very long days, 14, 16 hour days trying to get it finished, especially with the big parties and stuff. When I'm told now, that people go home or they're with family and what they do over Christmas time, much like I watch, I don't know, the Grinch or the Christmas story that they watch the office Christmas episodes. That's very, that's just cool. There's just, there's no way, there's no way about it. That's awesome. And so I, the Christmas episodes for me are some of the most special episodes and ones that I have the fondest memories of now. Benin 2 what are your top three favorite episodes you shot in The Office? Me and my brothers love you guys. Well, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Top three episodes. I'm going to go Stress Relief. I'm going to go Niagara. And I'm going to go Goodbye, Michael. Those are the ones. I don't know if they're my favorite episodes, all of them in the end, but those are the ones that I treasure. And guess what? I got a two for one times three. They were all two-part episodes. So that's actually six <laughs> episodes. So I cheated the system, but somehow I still won. I work at Walmart 10, 12. What's your favorite memory from The Office? Well, some of the episodes I just mentioned memories came flooded back as I just as I just said them but mostly it's about my favorite memories now are about the moments when we weren't shooting going to the Golden Globes or the Emmy Awards or being at someone's house early on watching the episodes wondering if we were ever going to get to do them again believing we were done after six episodes or 12 episodes and then being back for 200 and whatever yeah those are my those are my favorite memories now and you know when when my text goes off and it's from our uh, our group text chain 
Yeah. The memories are right there, man. Feels like so long ago and also uh, just yesterday. Emily Joan, 15. Who was someone you wished made a guest appearance on The Office? Wow. That's a great question. We had so many, really, so many great guest appearances. Oh, that just popped into my head. I was told we made the first network television joke about Barack Obama when he became president, when Michael said to Stanley, Barack Obama's president. So I'm going to say Barack Obama. That would have been pretty cool. We made the first joke, so we, we should have let him come on and say hi. Alec Olson, 05. On the Office Deep Dive, you always asked your guests why they think The Office now is more popular than ever, but I've always wondered what your answer is. Why do you think the show still holds up? Because it makes you feel good. And it's funny. Thank you, by the way, for being a, a longtime listener. If you, you heard all those interviews. But I think, that's, I think that's the answer for me. It's funny, and it holds up, and it makes you feel good. Ultimately, it wasn't a, an accident that we, we ended an oral history of the office with that quote, there's beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? I think it's a celebration of ordinary people doing ordinary things, but given value and weight and told you may be ordinary, but you're important and deserve to be celebrated and focused on, on a television show. You don't have to be just beautiful to be focused on. That's why I think it is because it makes people feel good. Tubiak Maniac says, could you have played Kevin for another five seasons? I'm glad that we ended where we did because we told a complete story, but uh, sure. I miss the guy, you know? I miss the guy. And Gregory Seawald asks, well, I guess we've saved the real question for last. Any comment on those rumors of an office reboot? Look, there was a story a few weeks ago in one publication that indicated that an office reboot was eminently going to be announced as soon as the writer's strike was over. I probably would not have answered this question. I would have told my producers no. However, Greg Daniels just yesterday did an interview and indicated that the announcement that there was an office reboot by this publication and that it was going to be announced after the writer's strike was settled might have been a little premature, but he showed appreciation for there being so much interest in it. I, too, appreciate how interested people seem to be in this. I have no idea if there will be an office reboot. But more than that, I don't know what an office reboot means. And what I really think is the people who are writing articles about it doesn't know what that means either. Is a reboot a reunion? Is it a reimagination? Is it a continuation of the story? I don't know what they, what they think it means. But you know what? Whatever Greg Daniels decides to do and uh, whatever story he wants to tell, I have full belief in that. But as to whether there is an imminent office reboot coming, well, no one's called me yet. So we'll see what happens. I'll be hanging on just like the rest of you. 
Thank you for all of your questions, everybody. I could have kept answering your questions for another five seasons. That was very fun. Hopefully, you didn't get tired of the sound of my voice. (laughs) I need somebody else in next week so we don't have to just listen to me. But I got to wrap things up here. I did want to get to one more thought-provoking question from HBCLE1. Why ask many words when few word do trick? Well, I could have asked less words, but then I I would have gotten a lot less questions from you. Uh, That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. One more question here. Spooky Kangaroo Rat 33. Did you have a good day today? Spooky, I did have a good day. I had a fantastic day because I enjoyed doing this with all of you. Thank you for your thoughtful, your fun, your interesting questions. I've said this before. These mailbag episodes, they make me feel like I get to know many of you a little bit better as listeners because nobody's ever interviewing me here. Hopefully you get to know me and at least what I'm thinking a little bit better as well. You're the best. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this little Ask Me Almost Anything copyright. I hope you have a good day, too. And until next time, take care. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahin. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.